Hello, everyone. This is Pastor Adam Burton, and welcome to the Central Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. On today's program, we delve into the inspiring words of Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. This passage speaks to us about the incredible potential we have to thrive together, to grow, and to experience the power of unity in Christ. We all know that life can be tough, and at times it can feel like we're all alone in our struggles. But this passage reminds us that we are not alone. As Christians, we are called to work together, to support one another, and to lift each other up. Today's sermon is titled, Thriving Together, The Power of Unity and Growth in Christ. And it is a powerful reminder of the incredible potential that we have when we come together as a community. Today, I will guide us through this scripture, exploring the importance of unity, growth, and the role that Christ plays in helping us to achieve both. So sit back, relax, and open your hearts and minds to the message of hope and inspiration that lies within these powerful words. Let us all come together and embrace the power of unity in Christ. Jake was an adventurous American traveler who loved to explore different countries and and experience new cultures. He had always dreamed of of traveling to, to the Middle East, and he finally had his chance to visit Egypt. The moment that he landed in Cairo, he was captivated by the the bustling streets and the exotic smells and and the vibrant energy that's in the city. Jake had spent his first few days wandering around through the the ancient pyramids and the the bazaars, and he marveled at the grandeur of the temples and the tombs, and he savored the spicy cuisine. But as the days went by, Jake realized that he had made a grave mistake. He had unknowingly offended the local authorities by taking photographs of sensitive government buildings. Jake was suddenly seized by fear when he realized that the Egyptian government was actively searching for him. He knew that he couldn't risk being arrested, so he decided to take refuge in the American embassy. Jake sneaked into the embassy late at at night to, to his relief found safe haven. The embassy staff welcomed him warmly and offered him food and shelter. They also provided him with a lawyer who could help him to navigate the legal process. But Jake's troubles were not yet over. The Egyptian authorities, they were determined to apprehend him and they even threatened to revoke his passport. Jake felt trapped, alone, and afraid. He knew that he could not return home without his passport, and he feared for his safety. Days turned into weeks, and Jake remained holed up in the embassy. But but as he spent more time with the embassy staff, he began to feel a sense of camaraderie and support. He was impressed by the resilience and the resourcefulness of the embassy staff who worked tirelessly to protect American citizens in hostile environments. And finally, after much negotiation and diplomacy, the embassy was able to secure Jake's safe passage out of Egypt. Jake was overjoyed to be leaving, but he also felt a deep sense of gratitude to the embassy staff who had taken him in and protected him. As Jake boarded the plane to go back home, he couldn't help but reflect on his experience in Egypt. Though he had gone 
seeking adventure. He had found himself in a challenging situation that taught him a valuable lesson of the power of human connection and the importance of having a strong support system. And as we reflect on his journey, we're reminded of the importance of belonging to a church, to a community of believers. If you uh, missed last week's sermon on church membership, don't worry, you can always catch up online. But last week, we we discussed the crucial role that, that God plays in calling us to a church rather than solely relying on our own subjective preferences. And we also explored um, the, the significance of worshiping God with our whole hearts as faithful church members. Today, we're going to continue our discussion on church membership by looking at how every church member is to promote unity within the church. So let's dive into this topic as we discover the ways that we can strengthen our relationship with God and with one another. What is the church all really about? Let me grab my notes here real Real quick, there we go. All right, that is not the right one. Well, some folks might picture the church as a fancy country club or where you, you pay your fees and you get to enjoy all of the amenities. You can hang out with your buddies and you get to decide when you want to show up and what activities you want to be a, a, a part of. Others may view the church as a volunteer group where you donate your time and resources to, to do good in your community and beyond. And some might even think of the church as a school where you go and you study topics that can enrich your life. But here's the thing. The church is far more than any of those things. According to Jonathan Lehman, the author of a book titled Church Membership, he says, it's like a real-life embassy, a place where people represent Christ's coming kingdom and the universal church. It's, it's not just some social club or do-gooder organization or a classroom full of life lessons. No, it's where we gather as believers to worship and serve our Lord and to show the world the hope and love that we have in Him. If you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4 this morning. Chapter Ephesians chapter 4. You, know, you may think that you've heard and you get familiar with certain passages and, and and you might think, you know what, I know everything that, you know, that's on this topic, but don't let familiarity breed contempt. This passage in Ephesians 4 is familiar to many of us, but it's a call to action. 
It's a call, a challenge to examine our hearts, to ensure that our actions are truly reflecting the transformation that comes from the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's easy to put on a show to look the part of a faithful Christian, but if our hearts are not truly surrendered to God, then we're missing the mark. So we're going to explore how we can truly grow in our faith and become faithful, authentic followers of Christ that we're called to be. Read with me here, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led the host of captives and he gave gifts to men. And saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things." And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it was equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. God bless the reading of His holy word. I think often back to my days at West Broadway Baptist Church in Louisville, and as a staff member, we conducted new member classes to educate potential members on what it meant to be a part of the church family. Dr. Bucher, our senior pastor, would kick off each session quoting from Amos 3.3. That would make you stop and ponder. He said, can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? Said again, can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? Well, of course not. Now, Amos was not referring to a, a, a simple stroll, but rather emphasizing the importance of being aligned with others. Today's message is all about a striving for unity within the church. We are to strive above everything for unity in the church. Imagine a basketball team taking the court decked out in these matching uniforms. They got crisp jerseys, coordinated shorts, and the, you know, the fresh new sneakers. They look the part. They look like a cohesive team. And, but when the game begins, chaos ensues. 
The players are all over the place. They're jockeying for position. They're hoarding the ball. They, they don't communicate. They don't work together. They're just a bunch of individuals wearing the same outfit. Well, that's uniformity. It's a, spe- a superficial resemblance of unity without any real substance. But unity is different. Unity is the basketball team that not only wears the matching uniforms, but also plays together as a team. They communicate and pass the ball and support each other. They are individuals, for sure, but each with their own skills and and strengths. But they work together towards a common goal, which is winning the game. They don't just look like a team. They are a team with a shared purpose and a deep sense of connection. And I'm afraid today, many churches have settled for uniformity instead of true unity. On the outside, they may look unified, but on the inside, they're far from it. Let me tell you about the disunity in the church. It's like a storm that's brewing. You can feel the tension in in the air, and it can be seen in, in harsh disagreements during a business meeting. Sadly, it can be even as extreme as church members taking legal action against each other or even entire denominations splitting apart. This kind of disunity is like a fire that's spreading and it's pretty hard to miss. My grandma's favorite restaurant was was the Golden Corral. Anybody can relate to, to, to that. When we were kids, she would take us there and, and we would go and it was pretty neat because you could fill your plate with all kinds of different foods. I mean, what other restaurant can you go to where you can combine spaghetti with steak and hot dogs and mac and cheese? And of course, you can't forget about that unlimited soft serve ice cream. (laughs) But as I grew older, I began to to see Golden Corral a a little differently. (laughs) Have you ever people watched that Golden Corral? Oh, my. (laughs) Kids running wild, picking up rolls from the buffet bar only to look at them and and rub, and then they they put them back. I mean, you ever think, how many people have sneezed before they go to get that salad from the bar? I'll tell you, if I had a buffet restaurant, you can be sure that I would have a restroom attendant requiring every person to wash their hands before they leave. (laughs) Not for their health, but for mine. I tried to persuade Grandma to, to take us to a, a different restaurant, but, but Grandma saw it differently. See, to her, the Golden Corral was a place where you can get whatever you wanted. It kind of got me to thinking about the church, and how we sometimes treat it like, like a buffet. We pick and choose what we want to participate in based on our interest and in, in, in what we like and our, our preferences. 
And sometimes we can even form smaller groups or even might consider cliques within the church, kind of creating this church within a church. The benefit of that is that you get to experience everything that you want in the church, but you can also avoid those things that are not to your liking. But when we do that, we lose sight of the unity that is meant to bind us together. See, this kind of disunity, it's, it's harder to recognize than, than, than a, a, a knockout, dragout fight in a business meeting or a vote to, dis, to, to leave a, a, a denomination. No, this disunity is more subtle, but it's just as damaging to the church as more obvious forms of disunity. You might think, well, you know, I love my, my Bible study group or I love serving in this area of the church, but well, there's certain things I don't like about the church and I would just be better off and they would like it more if I wasn't around and, and it's for their good and for mine that we just kind of stay apart. And you convince yourself that you... By avoiding certain things, you are protecting the unity of the church by staying away. But listen up, friends. It's easy to think that we're preserving the unity of the church by avoiding certain aspects we don't like. But let me tell you, that is not true unity, and it does not bring glory to God. See, we can't pick and choose parts of the church we like and ignore the rest. No, the call to God to be a faithful church member means that we fully commit and become members of the church, not part of a specific group or activity, excluding those things that we don't like. You know, I spent much of my time in, in, in youth and children's ministry before uh, coming here to, to Central And throughout my time, I saw so many young people walk away from the church because whether they were a, a child or a youth, they were there every week. They were there on Wednesday night youth group or a Sunday night Awana. They were there, but they were members of the youth group or of the children's ministry and not seeing themselves as a member of the church as a whole. And the problem with that is, is that if your identity is solely based on what you do at church or what little group that you're a part of, if that is your identity, not the church as a whole, then whenever you age out of the youth group at 18, then you realize, oh, I no longer have a church. Now, it goes on the flip side, too. The church also needs to make sure that we integrate young people into every facet of the church and not treat them as second-class church members, but that we see them equally as gifted by God for the work of His glory through the local church. So may we not make the same mistake, and silo ourselves off, but come together in unity and in commitment to glorify God 
This passage here in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul addresses the issue of disunity in the church, but he also offers us a solution. He tells us that we must work towards maintaining unity, which can only be achieved through humility, patience, and love. Look here at verse is one, uh, 2 through 4 here. It says, With all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And then in 4 through 6, he goes on to, to talk about the unity that God has with what we call the Trinity, right? There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Unity is important to God. When we sing holy, 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 God in three persons, he said perfect what? Perfect Trinity. They are united. They are three persons, each person, but also they are unified three in one. So how do we pursue unity? We do so through humility, gentleness, patience, and love. And through practicing this virtues, we can create an environment where our differences are respected and conflicts are resolved in a peaceful manner. It's also important to note that maintaining unity is an ongoing process. Right in verse 3, he says, that eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. It's a continuous effort from each member of the church. And by following Paul's advice, we can overcome the disunity and we can build a stronger and more unified community of believers. Paul also explains in his letter to the Romans, chapter 12, he says, By grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, to not think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with a sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. I want to focus here on this phrase, this grace given to me that Paul mentions. See, unity is a work of grace. Grace is something that God gives us, His unmerited favor. It is a gift from God. And the thing is, with unity, is without Christ as our focus, striving for unity is nothing more than moralism. It may make us feel better to be a good moral person, but that's not going to get you into heaven. See, we are to be humble because Jesus was humble. He humbled himself to the cross. We are to be gentle because Jesus was gentle. He said, let the little children come to me. Or who is there to cast the the first stone? No, you, my dear sister, go and sin no more. We are to be patient because Jesus was patient. Peter writes, it says, when he was reviled, 
he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. When we are done wrong, we are not to do wrong to others. We are not to get even. Rather, we are to suffer as Christ suffered. And I love that last sentence here in Peter says, but he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. It doesn't take much faith to live like the world. When the world comes against us, right, this, this idea of, uh, of putting our enemies down and, and exalting ourselves, that comes naturally to us. We feel like, you know what, I'm the one in control of my life. I am the one that gets to dictate what happens I'm never going to open myself up to allow myself to be taken advantage like I have in the past. So sometimes we act out in aggression, but other times we wall ourselves up and never allow anybody to get close to us again. True faith comes when we entrust ourselves to God and allow Him to work justly. The difficult thing for us in these moments is to know that true justice may never come this side of, of eternity. But know this, that no one will escape God's judgment, and He judges justly. See, we love because Christ first loved us. And we strive for peace because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Paul writes to the Philippians, said, And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do you ever feel like peace is just a fairy tale? Like it's this far-fetched idea that can never be achieved. Well, let me tell you, this peace is not just an absence of conflict. It's about striving for unity even when we have differences. It's about loving one another in humility and putting others before ourselves. That is the true essence of peace. The world may not understand peace, but thank goodness Jesus came to bring it. And only He offers a peace that surpasses all understanding, and it is available to us all. All Jesus tells us to do is to believe in Him, that He lived the life you couldn't live, that he died the death that you deserve, but he defeated sin and death when he rose from the grave. You can have peace in your heart like you have never felt by trusting in Christ alone for your salvation. And when we do that, he, Holy Spirit enters into 
us and allows us to do what we thought we could never do. It gives you a strength that you never thought you could have, and not in the sense of, of a Marvel a superhero like Captain America or the Hulk, but this strength is far greater. It's Christ living in you. But how do we show the world this type of peace? We do so by being ambassadors of the kingdom of God just like an embassy represents a country in another land, we represent God's kingdom here on earth. And what's our mission? To be peacemakers. So may we show the world what true unity looks like. May we declare to the world that while we may live here, yes, we do, our citizenship, our passport is heaven. So let us be peacemakers that this world so desperately needs. You know, unity. Unity, it's like trying to grasp hold of a fleeting feeling, this momentary emotion that's hard to articulate into words. It's, It's hard to teach on unity because we can tell people, well, you need to go to church. You need to read your Bibles. You... But unity requires something deeper. Unity requires an inward change, a heart transformation. It requires a willingness to lay down our own desires and put others first, even if it costs us something. And friends, that's not an easy task. Oh no, it goes against our very nature to sacrifice ourselves for others, but that's exactly what unity demands. And unity is only possible when we turn our gaze towards Christ and let the Holy Spirit have His way in us. It's not something that we can all put on our Central Baptist Church uniform and and try to manufacture on our own. No, it's a supernatural bond that holds us together in love. Let's be honest. Sometimes it's easier to criticize our church or other church members rather than looking inward and seeing where we need to grow. But here's the thing, when we're critical, we're not being humble. No, humility is one of the key ingredients of unity, and without it, we cannot move forward together as a church. And so, may we examine our hearts and allow God to work in us so that we can pursue unity and glorify Him. I want you to imagine a church, a church that is so united in Christ that it has become an unstoppable force for the glory of God. That's what unity can do. But the question is, is how is God speaking to you? Are you willing to take a step towards unity within our church? 
Are you willing to grow in areas like humility, patience, love, and sacrifice to let God work in your own heart? Thank you for joining me today on the Central Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. I hope you were both encouraged and challenged by the message. If you would like to learn more about us, visit our website at cbcmaysville.com. There, you'll discover a wealth of resources, including more sermons and Bible studies. If you have any questions or prayer requests, don't hesitate to contact us at 606-564-6973. Thank you again for tuning into the Central Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Be sure to join us next week for another inspiring message.